This is another one of those episodes that is the reason this podcast exists. It's so that I can talk about things like the Apple keynotes. And this is the first time I'm covering the iPhone keynote on this show. So I had expert guest Brandon Havard. He's an amazing YouTube channel. You have to go check him out. He is also the creative director for MKBHD, uh, creates a lot of his videos and is a super smart guy. I was very lucky to have him. The show does get interrupted. I had to I had to leave just as we wrapped up talking about iPhones. So after that, stick around and I'll be talking more about the Apple Watch and just a few other details about the announcements. So I hope you enjoy it. It's fall and we had the Apple keynote just yesterday and I want to talk about it as soon as possible. So I brought on uh, Apple expert, Brandon Havard. How's it going, man? <laughs> How's it going? How you doing? Great. Um, it's been good to see you on YouTube lately. You've had some nice stuff. I hope you got your camera back and we'll see some new videos soon. <laughs> Same to you. What did you uh, overall think of the new keynote? Did you have any feelings right off the bat? It, it was it was a very uh, different type of keynote from past keynotes, just in terms of the fact that, you know, the, the way it sort of felt in terms of pacing, um, that, that type of thing. I, I've always liked Apple keynotes. I've always been very, you know, trapped by their whole entire, you know, way of presenting their products. This felt honestly a little lackluster to me in at times, at least I thought some of the speakers were an interesting choice. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting keynote. Something I think doesn't get talked about enough in people's reactions to keynotes is their expectations and how much that affects like what you thought of it. It's like some people will be really let down by an Apple keynote because I thought there would be so much more, but it's like, is that their fault? <laughs> yeah, no, true, true. And that's not exactly what you're saying here, but um, I just so often, almost every year, there's a bit of this like backlash to to Apple keynotes that are like, oh, you know, I was expecting to them to reinvent the world again and do what they did when the iPhone was first released. And I don't know. I mean, it's not... It's not going to happen again for a while, Absolutely. right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, what's interesting is I feel as if with every keynote, though, uh, building on that, I, I've always like left a keynote with one thing left in my mind that I was excited about mm -hmm. and very happy to get my hands on. Yeah. Whereas with this keynote, I, I'm, I'm missing that in a sense. Can I be honest that I'm kind of glad that I don't have a desperate uh, upgrade feeling <laughs> need after this? Like I don't, I didn't see it and I'm like, oh yeah, now I have to go replace my phone immediately. But I think that a lot of people need to look at these announcements as two or three year cycles anyway. Uh, I, I'm using the iPhone 10. Is that, is that what you've been on? Yeah. I, I don't usually update every single year. Last year I, I did the last two years. I, I guess I upgraded every year, but usually I'm on a two year cycle and that's fine for most people. I don't think the question of, you know, is it worth it to upgrade from a 10? Um, probably not, but I usually don't think it is year over year. I think you should usually wait about two years to really, get the feeling of excitement of a new phone cuz it's that's the, that's how long it takes to have enough new features to really make it feel super shiny. No, for sure. I, I agree with that. I mean, something that uh, someone had said to me once, um, he was actually a uh, Apple genius. He was basically saying, you know, the the, the number upgrades going from uh, like one number to the next 
usually entails usually uh entails a new design and at least like some form of a new look new color that that type of thing and that's that's very much for the masses mm-hmm. whereas with the s upgrades it's definitely more for the techies the people that want uh you know the better performance they they want a fully fleshed out phone Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it, actually, because I think a lot of the time people look at the S updates as unimportant or uninteresting or smaller updates. But mm-hmm. in reality, they're not they're not actually smaller. They're just less obvious to a marketing department, right? Because it's not For sure. a new hardware design and there's just one new color. So it's less clear what the difference is. But yeah, you're totally right that people that are more technically inclined are going to see real improvements. Like... Uh, we've seen 30% processor improvements this time. And that's, that's what you should expect in a, any full year update. You know, that's, it's never going to be more than that when you're going from, uh, up to a new body design. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think it's, it's also interesting to see the, the evolution of the phone itself in terms of Apple sort of figuring out what they want to improve on and and what they should improve on from the previous uh, attempt, Um, sort of making the first attempt the the fully fleshed out version of what they, I guess, meant to to sort of release the first time around or, you know, that that type of thing. Yeah, in a way, a lot of the time, the S is the perfected version of the initial design, right? It's kind of the uh, the evolution of it. Let's get into some details here. Good place to start is names because we're going to have to struggle through them. I'm going to have to struggle through them anyway. This is the first time I, I really feel like iPhone names are so unwieldy that I think the mainstream public won't understand it. E- even a year from now, I think they'll still be getting it confused. Whereas even up till uh-huh. last year with you know the iPhone X, ten. Whatever they that branding worked, people got it. They got like this is the the future one. This is the special, expensive one, and the eight is you know kind of in sequence. But now the the difference between X, we've got the 10s, 10s Max, and the 10R, which first of all, mixing Roman numeral X with proper alphabets. I mean, it's, that's it's, cha- it's, that's it's an odd choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's weird. Yeah. Um, and then also max instead of plus, what happened there? Is Am I missing something? Like, is there a reason they dropped plus? Well, it seems at least from, from list, I think it was Phil Schiller who was talking. Um, but you know, he was saying the only thing bigger than plus is max. <laughs> and that was his reasoning. Um, I'm not sure if, if if that's uh, basically just uh, Phil Schiller being high or whatever, but yeah. um, it's you know it's a choice. I I, <laughs> I can't think of iPhone 10s Max without thinking about MaxiPad for whatever reason. It's yeah. Yeah. like too close to not think. It's yeah, um, but th- that's just me. Well, I assume they're never going to release an iPad Max. I I certainly hope not. It also implies it's going to be the biggest ever, too. Like, it's the max size, whereas plus is just bigger. I guess so. In my opinion, it's like we're we're at a point now where people are finally starting to come on board with the 10 branding, as you said. Just throwing the average consumer into the fire with this one is, is an odd choice. I mean, like, going back to something that Steve Jobs had said, it, it's like... 
you're selling these products. You have to think about selling these products to the, you know, 80 or 90 year old grandma that's living in Nebraska who, you know, wants a new phone. She's probably going to look at this type of stuff and just be super confused. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see how sales are affected, if they're affected at all, with this type of branding and how it's, you know, very confusing at this point. I, I mean, I imagine they won't be. Sales are going to do great, as always. I mean, it's, oh, it's hard to bet course. against Apple. Yeah, it's Apple. But I, I do think there'll be real confusion. People won't really know what to say. And I know I've been saying X even more often than before. Uh, I used to, mm-hmm. with with just the regular 10, I was saying, I was getting more in the habit of saying 10. And as soon as these uh, names were even leaked before it was announced, I immediately reverted to X. Because, exactly. Because it's here, same here. So. So I'm probably going to screw that up a bunch. And uh, if, if you care, <laughs> stop listening now. <laughs> um, let's let's get to some of the details, though. Starting with um, some of the, especially detailed details, there is no fast charger included, which I had hoped we would see. I'm surprised they still have that same old five yeah. watt yeah. slow little USB A, same as always charger. Also, the fact that it's USB A, what's happening when when will there be an included cable that you can plug into your new macbook pro you know usually i can i can sort of gather some form of a guess with apple's decisions that is one thing that i am very perplexed by when Mm -hmm. it comes to you know their their whole entire like you know continuity in terms of uh you know, everything's sort of piecing together in their ecosystem. It's like throwing that weird curveball just isn't like Apple-like. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I imagine it's not going the way they planned. I think they thought USB-C would roll out differently than it has. I guess so, yeah. Because I, I think, and this would make sense based on Apple's history, that they expected by going all in on USB-C on their laptops, which are some of the top-selling laptops in the world and absolutely do lead the industry, that the same thing would happen as it did with the original iMac, that you know they put USB on it and dropped all the other ports, and that forced the whole industry to pick up USB, and it worked. And, and everybody jumped to it, and they pushed us into the future, and, and it was worth it. It was pretty good. And yep. they're like, look, we'll we'll put it on our best-selling laptops, and it'll be the only option, so everybody will be forced to adopt it in all these ways. And it totally didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then weirdly that internally, they're still not even shipping with the, the cable that would support that on iPhones. It's Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. No, and I mean, I'm, I'm especially interested to, like, you know, figure out what's going to be this system for when the iPad line sort of shifts over to USB-C, if that rumor is true. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, all of a sudden we'll see two very big Apple products switching to USB-C. One is part of the i line. And that sort of hints at the fact that maybe we'll see possibly an iPhone in the next couple of years with USB-C. And at that point, what's going to be on the other end? Yeah. So, you know, it, it'll be an interesting couple of years. And then they also dropped the headphone adapter. Yeah. Unfortunate. I mean, not it's not a super classy move uh, in the year that they reported their highest earnings of all time. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> they could keep that little adapter in there. Uh, it's also their like top-selling 
I think it was like their top selling product of all time or something like that they, does they, not surprise me. They moved. I've probably been like five of those sales, but I, you know, in the end it's not a huge deal, I guess maybe just for me, I don't know, maybe cause I'm using wireless headphones, you know, I'm a huge fan yeah. of AirPods then doesn't feel like a big deal, but I guess there's lots of people that it's still, I do still see a lot of wired headphones around. I mean, obviously a lot of people haven't moved over. So it's interesting because in the past like year I have completely ditched wired headphones. The the only instances in which I, I use wired headphones is for longer flights since AirPods only have like, what, three hours of battery life. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that type of thing, I will switch to wired. But besides that, I'm completely on the wireless train. So for me, it it doesn't really affect me that much, but I can see how it can be annoying for uh, for future buyers who, I mean, especially if you're coming from a 6S or a 6 where you had the headphone jack and you were used to the headphone jack. And especially when you're paying more than you ever have before. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then, absolutely. you know, yeah. and then it gets pulled out. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not, again, this won't affect sales. And I'm sure that's what Apple sees when they're making the, this decision. They look and they're like, look, we're going to move as many units and we'll gain $20 margin per item that we ship. So let's do it. But it'd be, it'd be a nice thing to do. It would be, it's a nice gesture to include that kind of stuff. I should just be 75% of Apple sales just down the drain. (laughs) Then in terms of the actual phones, the XS 10s and the 10s max, (laughs) I think these are a nice update and kind of what you'd expect. Like, I think, I think a lot of people expect some of the wrong things from S updates. I think they, they are typically better than people remember. And, uh, you know, if we look at the processor bump here, they said 30%, that that's a great increase. This is a, this is a real update. And yeah, yeah. I think, you know, especially if you're removing, for, this is your first time with the 10 format, like if you're moving from an iPhone seven or an eight, it's going to be a huge speed improvement. You'll, you will really notice it. Yeah. It's especially allowing for some of the new stuff they're pushing towards, like the new machine learning they had a new core ML rewrite. It seems like right, it's yeah. nine times faster and uh, that, you know, now can do all sorts of live machine learning without, you're not waiting for anything. It's doing it on the fly and st- stuff like that. Like those things are, again, that's like what us nerds get into. You know, if you're tech, if you're, if you're a tech kind of person, then that's exciting. Right. But I can see how it's hard for marketing to let that, get that to sink into the mainstream imagination. With every single S update or the majority of S updates, there's always been one like smack out feature like, you know, previous uh what was it? Uh, touch ID it was, the, was uh, one and uh t- Touch ID was one for Force, Force Touch, Force touch or yeah. 3D Touch was was the other one and then, you know, Siri years ago. This is the first year where we are seeing an S upgrade without that big marketing feature mm-hmm. uh besides just performance and a slightly better camera and the new gold color. Besides that, <laughs> there's no other way of selling this phone above the 10 with basically just putting the S next to the 10. You know, I, I guess I guess the Max version is kind of maybe the uh the, the smack out feature if you can consider that. Yeah, that is what that's my thing I'm walking away with. That's what rings in my head is that the Max is 
the most amazing display they've ever had. You know, it 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 is True. so big and it feels like such a pure experience having so little disrupted screen space. Mm-hmm. It's also the closest an iPad's gotten to being uh, no no bevels and no buttons, and it's this the biggest simplest Apple device we've ever had, and sure. um, that that is a unique-ish, exciting thing. Um, I, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be awesome. And uh, it's funny because it actually reminds me of how there was those news stories a few months after the 10 launched about how they were going to stop production of the 10, right. which was never interesting news because all it meant is that, okay, they're not going to continue making the 10 this year. But so now for the same price, you buy a 10S. Like I, mm-hmm. that's, and, and then the 8 and the 7 are reduced prices. So you still have some pretty... Solid options out there. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it, it takes away from anything to have taken that out of the lineup, and now that ten option is just better. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I mean, it it effectively does simplify the whole entire lineup, just making things a bit more gradual. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, you know, you have the older stuff, which still has the home buttons, that kind of thing. And also, I mean, th- I didn't really think about it until now, but this is the first year where. Home buttons are mm-hmm. no longer, you know, the cutting edge of, of technology in, in Apple's eyes. Yeah, yeah, no new phone with it. button. yeah, yeah. So a lot of people are going to have to get used to that this year if they haven't already. One thing that reminds me of previous generations is the faster uh, ID verification. So they say faster Face ID, and of course we remember when Touch ID went to Generation Two and got way faster. Mm-hmm. more than twice as fast. You know, I, I, I don't know the actual metric of how much it changed, but you could feel it. You couldn't miss it. It was it considerable. Was, yeah. yeah. It yeah. went from pr- press your finger down and wait to, you know, your finger grazes across it and you accidentally <laughs> yeah. unlock yeah. it. There so, was a point in time where I literally did not even see my lock screen. Like yeah. it was it was that fast. That would be great. I, I'm hopeful that that's what Face ID feels like. Did did anybody show that in the videos from the from the room? Do you know uh, if not not from from what I saw? I don't think that Face ID was. Um, I, I think it was just like a demo unit uh, in in the in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't think that people were able to access the new Face ID yet. Obviously, if I'm wrong, let me know. Right, well. uh, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I guess we'll circle back um, but, to that uh, one once we know something. But Yeah, exactly. I, I'm enthralled by the idea of having a faster face ID. It's th- that's that's honestly the, the one part of the iPhone 10 that I, I've always felt really could use improvement. And I, I would have loved for that to have been focused on more with this keynote, especially now that they've taken away all forms of home buttons with the fingerprint sensor, you know, talking about the the future of the uh, secure technology. I like Face ID. Often it's great, but there are still definitely moments that I feel like I could see how some people would be frustrated by it and want to go back to uh, Touch ID. You know, just the, the best example is when it's sitting across from me on a table or something and I used to be able to just put my thumb down and it'd be unlocked and I, I don't ever pick it up. And you you have to pick it up. You always have to yeah. do a, a larger gesture. And I'm used to it at this point. It doesn't typically bother me. But if you had a certain personality or just depending on what gets you annoyed, I could see it still bugging people, um, letting go of that, yeah. that home button. So 
if it got way faster, that that would minimize that at least. To, to build on what you just said with, with the whole concept of having to pick up your phone, that that's another thing that I, I still haven't like fully acclimated to that yet. Um, I still find my, myself like leaning over a table to try and get the phone to like recognize my face. Awkwardly. I do that all the time. <laughs> um, it's, it's 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 wonderful, um, but uh, I, I don't know what the technology is in there obviously it's it's way beyond me but just finding a way to to angle it more towards you in in to, to design it around that type of position i think would be an awesome update i think there's some behavior around the unlocking in the os that could also make a big difference a, l- a lot of my frustrations just come from what it decides to do when it doesn't recognize my face so an example is that it sometimes it'll it'll try and not give me a try again option. My only mm-hmm. option will be to use the pin code, and you know it's just I know that the first time it tried, I was yawning or it wasn't angled properly, and I know why right. it failed. And like if you would just try again right now, you would work, mm-hmm. but you're not, and you're not giving me an option. I know that was resolved. I know that now in iOS 10, you're able to swipe up as many times as you want. So you can tell right. you can keep telling it like try again, try again, which is great. That's a good addition. One that I think is still a huge problem I haven't heard has changed is when okay, so this is I guess maybe only me. So my my wife uses my phone, like we just pass our phones back and forth. It's not a concern. I'm not trying to keep her out of it, but I can't add her face to my phone. So she always needs to enter a pin. So especially like when I'm driving, right? I'm like, look, can you do this thing for me? And um she always has to swipe up and wait seconds or so like two seconds like there's this long wait and same with if if your face id has been failing a few times there's this big long delay before you can enter the pin Uh, i've heard people with sunglasses complain about this too you know if it's just not working you're stuck waiting and it wasn't really like that with touch id you could always push through you force your way through quickly in in one way exactly no, and I mean that's that's a good point, and I know that uh, with iOS twelve they are they are adding multi face support, so I think you can add two faces now. Oh, I forgot about as that. opposed to just one, which is oh, you know that's okay, cool. great. But again, your point is completely valid. Where you know you need to find a faster way to get into the pin code prompts mm-hmm. if obviously you're just trying to get into the phone and you aren't the owner. This also reminds me talking about software behavior. Can they please? not have it take screens of screenshots of my home screen. I, I never want to take a screenshot of my home screen. This isn't something I ever need, but every day I look in my photos folder and see three new screenshots. Uh, I don't, I don't know why it's so easy to screw up. My question is who takes a a screenshot of their home screen? Like I, I know, I know that people probably do and you know, I don't mean to offend you, but who actually does that? Like, what what do what do you do when? What are you trying to capture when you're taking a screenshot of your home screen? And you know, if if not that many actually not, not that many people actually do it, there should be a way to have uh, some sort of off and on squi- a swi- switch. I can speak English for specifically the home screen and lock screen. That way, you just are able to take screenshots within applications. Um, that you know that would effectively lessen the amount of mistakenly t- uh, taken screenshots while trying to unlock or lock your phone. I, I think I did hear something about the behaviors changing, but I, I don't remember exactly what. So another thing we didn't get um, 
this could have been the new tech feature for me would have been promotion which if you don't remember is the faster screen refresh rates from iPads so that mm-hmm. the actual screen refreshes at 120 hertz per second uh, so right. it does have 120 hertz touch response which you know is good that means it can track your finger at 120 but the screen is only refreshing at 60 and I really can it's see that It's very deceptive difference. too. It's very to, deceptive. When they like because say that in the marketing, you mean? Exactly. When they, when they had that as as a point on the screen, a lot of people, at least in the group chat at work, you know, a lot of us were like, "Wait, does that mean 120 hertz display or does that mean something else?" And, you know, for a lot of people, I think they were honestly, including myself, very excited about the 120 hertz possibility um, of, of, you know, the ProMotion display. And obviously it's a big disappointment. But if if that had been a feature, that would have been enough for me to, to just upgrade. Yeah, right that would have really been pushing me forward. And for anybody that hasn't seen it, like go into an Apple store and try a new iPad Pro because it looks so good. It's one of the, I notice it more than actually even more than OLED. Like I, I forget about the OLED difference. It starts to kind of yeah, disappear to me. I just get used to it and I don't notice it anymore. But the promotion difference is more distinct to me. It's a bigger jump, I think. For sure. Well, it 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 feels like uh, like real life yeah. in a way. Um, it doesn't feel like you're you're touching a screen. It's yeah. it's a lot more responsive, which is it looks magnificent. Yeah, it's it's really nice. There's also some changes. Oh wait, sorry, no Apple Pencil. But, uh, I I've been hoping this would come for a while. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to mean that there'll have to be a new Apple pencil as well. They'll have to redesign it. So, um, to be yeah, size appropriate. I, I, I don't know what, um, and I mean, this could just be me, but I, I don't really know why you would need an Apple pencil for an iPhone specifically. I mean, besides just like signing documents, um, I, I don't really I mean, see what I just, case I feel there. like it just needs to, it exists. So it should work kind of, you know, I have this yeah. Apple drawing device that works with one flat screen and not another that seem like they should be identical. Um, and just, I, I would use it. There are totally times that I would just, uh, like in, in, uh, Instagram stories is a place I would for mm-hmm. sure use it. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I don't know. That's the thing. It's, it's it's maybe not really important. It just feels like it should have already happened, and it still hasn't. So yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as as Apple says, it's it's an ecosystem. Things yeah. should work across the board. I, I agree with that. No, oh, they should. But but okay. New features we've got: dual SIM and eSIM. I haven't thought of why this would be exciting to me yet. But can you can Same. you tell me why it's exciting for other people? <laughs> I mean, you know, if if you're if you're an intrepid traveler, I, I mean, obviously having uh, a secondary sim there going going across the seas, um, especially you know if you don't have a plan with with AT and T or with Verizon that allows you to use the same number, that type of thing, uh, traveling to like you know say the UK or something like that, um, having dual sim is great for some people. 
I am personally not one of those people. I have uh, whatever AT&T calls it. I think it's like Uverse or something. could be completely wrong. But um, essentially, that, that gives me a small amount of data as well as you know unlimited texting while I'm across the seas. And that works fine for me. I get to keep my number, that type of thing. But, you know, having completely separate number, completely different regions where that AT&T feature isn't available, that could be useful. But, um, you know, I, I haven't come across a good use for that or, or needed that per se. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the people that need it know that they do and they'll be very excited. But I'm, exactly. I, yeah. I guess I'm just surprised because there's relatively few people that do. You know, that's a pr- pretty specific feature that probably took a lot of engineering work. Um, or are we just naive? About it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's think. If, <laughs> I mean, you're, if you're in Europe, this is going to be a whole different situation. Yeah, yeah. It could be more, more so angled towards uh, towards people that are they're not necessarily in America or uh, Canada. Um. Okay. What What else is that? That's all I wrote down about them. I know. Obviously, there is more to it. There are more details. Uh, and then I've also I mean, got prices. Prices are are sort of. For sure. Well, let's circle the, uh, back to prices when we've got once we go over everything. And uh, same with oh, cameras. For sure, well, yeah. let's talk about the um, the 10R for a minute before we jump into cameras and oh, prices. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, uh, this actually looks really exciting. I'm usually not this into the cheap iPhone, mm-hmm. but this is going to be a really great choice for so many people. Um, like the compromises they made are kind of good choices. There's things that I think average phone users won't notice very much. The LCD screen, I think, I think normal people don't notice. Um, you know, you, you have I to know what that. you're looking for in an OLED. Um, yeah. Removing uh, 3D touch, I think, same thing. Most people don't even <laughs> know that it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with 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 software that, that Apple has made um, for non-3D touch devices, in the control center, like you can still control the the variable light for uh, for the, like the flashlight, set a timer, that type of thing, just holding it down. So you know, I think just besides losing the shortcuts on the home screen by the apps, and I think like peak and pop, that's pretty much gone. But well, you know, all of the things one, that I use, are do you use the, cur- the cursor mover though? That's the thing I really don't want to lose. I actually don't. Um, I, I can see how that that's super useful though. So. Yeah. 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 That one I use like, I mean, every half hour. So I use it a lot. So. Got you. Got you. And then the big, the really great new thing is the battery life. So they added an hour and a half longer battery over the iPhone 8. Or 8 Which plus. is incredible. Yeah. It's, it's a really huge incredible. That's, it's awesome. And in, you know, relatively small device, that's an amount that yeah. everyone's going to notice. Um, we didn't mention on the sure. 10S, 10S Max, it's supposed to, Actually, I don't know if it's both or just one, but half an hour longer is what I remember. Uh, the, the, the 10S is half an hour, and the um, the Max, I think, is an hour and a half, or maybe just an hour. Or oh, okay, but like it, was, it was more. I mean, it's, I'm glad yeah. to see they're all improving. That's great. I think I think the Max is 90 minutes. I think, you know, across the board, it's, it's a good um, improvement. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's really solid. Like, I, I, I think... If, when people are feeling like nothing exciting happened, it's easy to forget that these are actually the changes yeah. that affect your life the most. Um, you know, better water resistance, longer battery, just faster, oh, faster phone sure. that uh, does everything. Sure. It's yeah. just no, generally I was, more I, I was just thinking that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, 
Because especially with the amount of technology and the amount of sensors, the amount of stuff that, that are in these phones already, and considering the, the profile of this phone, how thin it is, and you know, generally how how light it is, it still is a, a hefty phone. But you know, considering the amount of stuff that's in this phone, it's incredible that we have that battery life already. So improving on that is is great. Yeah, I, I already I was already pretty happy with it. So yeah, now it's great. Um, and, and, uh, uh, that's all I wrote down again. <laughs> My notes aren't extensive <laughs> enough, but, uh, you know, I was really just kind of looking for like the key stuff. Oh, colors, obviously that's worth, oh, yeah. worth mentioning. Um, I think it's kind of weird. My, that my favorite is the blue. The blue is awesome. I, in the 10 S's, I love that gold. It's the first time I've really liked a gold. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm I'm curious about the, the back because if it's the same color as the previous, um, like the, the gold on the iPhone eight and the eight plus, where it's like that that milky gold color, I, I don't know if I'm completely sold on that. Yeah. And it's obviously hard to tell through like marketing photos, but yeah. But I mean, um, that's the thing about colors; they're so personal um, that it's nice yeah. to have more of them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I, I think it's it's an interesting look for sure. But um, also just to say that all of these have the same processor inside, which is like really amazing that mm-hmm. whatever you spend, you're going to get a full speed current generation yeah. iPhone. Um, the difference is the less water resistance in the R, but it also does still have wireless charging. All three of them do. Uh, basically, slightly yeah. thicker bezels, though, which is right. It's it's noticeable coming from a from a ten or from the ten S in this case, but again, as you've as you've said, average consumer probably never gonna be bothered by that or notice yeah. it for, yeah, for that no. And same with a lot of people complained about the lower PPI, the, the resolution of the screen is, I, I, th- I think it's like seven twenty basically. It's a bit more than it's basically that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you know the, the thing in my opinion that I'm. Uh, interested to see at least is how people handle the whole being able to only watch videos at least on youtube in 720 because you know 1080 on iphone looks pretty decent you still see some some weird artifacting at 1080 but you know i'm interested to see how 720 looks on that display yeah yeah i mean this is also kind of guessing but again this is a thing i just don't think normal people will notice it uh you, you know it, it is agree. a real difference but i think most people don't recognize that kind of stuff so yeah um, again just reasons that the this seems like an appropriate set of balanced decisions for mainstream consumers yeah they'll um, just be happy with the battery life and the notch yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um, okay let's talk cameras for a second my favorite part my least exciting part this year, but, uh, you know, I think we've got another incremental upgrade. The biggest difference Agreed. seems to be the image signal processing. Um, that's, that's what I heard for, I mean, that was mostly from Marquez. who's the main one that I saw talking about how much better it actually looks having tried it, but the, the portrait mode, uh, the hype is all about the new adjustability of variable aperture yeah 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 and well but but not actual variable aperture right like they exactly faked it yeah i'm not at all excited about this um i i I had a lot of people ask me about it so many of the questions that came through on twitter were what what i think about this and the thing the biggest thing is that there was already an app that could do this with your iphone 
10 or or iPhone 8 ones called Focos, F-O-C-O-S. And it did an awesome job of it. Like it was exactly this feature. It was cool. And I never use it now. So (laughs) I'm not going to start using it in the future. I mean, you know, I I think the only thing that makes me excited about this feature in any way, shape or form is the fact that it does analyze the image in terms of the lights that are farthest away from the camera, as well as the lights that are the closest to the camera, Mm -hmm. effectively making the bokeh a lot bigger, um, the farther it is in the distance versus, you know, smaller, the closer is the camera. So, you know, in that respect, I think it'll be interesting to see what that looks like once we have it in our hands. But, um, you know, it's, again, it's, is it something that, that people are actually going to like the average consumer, are they actually going to play with that? Or are they basically just going to snap the portrait photo and call it a day and post on Instagram? What I would rather have myself is some ability to refine the edges so that after taking Mm -hmm. the portrait, you could like put your finger over the hair in the corner and be like, look more carefully at this because you screwed it up. Yeah. That's what I would find much more important because I I don't mind leaving the blur at maximum most of the time. The the problem comes when it it makes a mistake. But I do have to give them credit for how much better that bokeh looks. It is really like the, the algorithms at work there are beautiful. They're very convincing. I, I, I agree it, with that. Yeah. It looks like real blur. It just, the separation is still not amazing. <laughs> I agree with you. And I think, I think the biggest, the biggest downfall is, is still very much hair. Uh, yeah. hair seems to be the one thing that always throws that feature off. And, you know, as soon as that can be addressed, I think that feature has a really massive, um, future. Yeah, even in terms of uh, the samples they showed on stage, there was mistakes in the hair that you could clearly see. So Exactly. And I mean, those are from Apple, which yeah. is like yeah. crazy. So yeah, no, I, I, I think that, that that feature is cool, but really does need a lot of improvement. Yeah, I, I know it'll be amazing someday. Um, I'll just yeah. kind of keep waiting. They talked about smart HDR. Uh, I don't know. HDR keeps getting better. I, it was better last year, so I'm sure it's better again. They gave it a marketing name this year, which it's probably just as much better as it got last time, but now it has a name. Smart Always HDR. great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's probably better. That's great. I, I, I love what they've been able to do. It still finds detail that sometimes my SLRs miss. Like, like full frame sensors sometimes can't do the same thing that intelligent... Right algorithmic HDR can do on phones, which blows my mind. Yeah. With a lot of the improvements that that that, that have come with uh, you know phones in the past, I, I feel like this is the first improvement to the camera that actually like speaks to people that know something about cameras and know something about actual photography. And that that excites me. That mm-hmm. that potential and that you know, the, the future of iPhone cameras really excites me. So uh, what are you getting? Anything? I'm definitely picking up a Max. I've, I've yet to decide the color. I feel like that's probably going to be something that I decide tonight at 3 a.m. my time. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what, what the screen size is like. And, you know, if it's too big, I'll return it and go for a, a standard 10s. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm willing to give it a try. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm going to give the 10s Max a try. I'm going to order it right away and see how I like it. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it. That'll be part of the review, I guess, is 
what do I really think of it? <laughs> yeah. And so we're going to have to cut this a little bit short just because of life that's happening around us. But I, I mean, it was awesome for you to come back again before, before you take off. How's life been? Uh, there was last time you were on, you announced this big work change for you that you started working for MKBHD and you're doing some yep. amazing stuff over there. How's that been? It's been amazing. It's been, you know, honestly the most, uh, exhilarating period of my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the future to be completely honest. I'm definitely working more on my stuff in terms of the schedule and that type of thing, getting back into the swing of things. And I, I I want to keep improving. I want to keep, uh, you know, making my game as strong as possible. So I'm, I'm very excited for the next couple of months and years. Awesome. Well, I hope you come back soon and we can talk about video some more. Sam here. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Brandon. This episode is brought to you by Setapp. If you haven't heard of Setapp before, you're not watching my YouTube videos enough because I've been talking about them a lot lately. They're a subscription service that allows you to have so many of the best independent Mac apps available at your fingertips on your computer at all times. So I found them because I'd been using a whole bunch of independent apps. Good examples are Bartender, Chronosync, Trip Mode, Screens, all these things that are really important to how I get work done on my computer already. These are at the center of how I do stuff. And then I realized that all of this comes bundled together in Setup. The great thing is I can also use Setup to discover more apps that I don't have. So a good one was Endurance. It basically restricts some of the power Uh, hungry uses of your Mac so that when, say, you're traveling, all of a sudden you can extend the battery life for a while. So if you go to stpp.co slash Stallman, you're going to find out more and you can start a free trial where you can access, like I say, over a 100 apps available right now. You can just hit install and they start working. It's an amazing way to both discover apps and access some of the best Mac applications available today stpp.co slash Stallman. And thank you again to Setup for sponsoring this episode. All right, now it's just me and you. Now I want to talk a little bit about the Apple Watch Series 4. I was really surprised at uh, what I was the most excited about in this keynote. Um, typically, it's it's the big, expensive new thing. Whatever's the best, that's what I'm the most interested in. But honestly, this time around, the iPhone XR and the Apple Watch 4 caught my attention the most. Um, so I'm sure you already saw, but they announced their first new, like completely new Apple Watch design that really is visually identifiable as something new. Um, we, you know, Previously, we had the red dot on the dial of the iPhone Series 3, and that, that is what I've been wearing for the last while. I also have the Series 2. I never had the Series 0, um, but... I've been I've been happy with the series three. It was it was pretty good. But um before I get into the good stuff, I am gonna complain that they did not fix my biggest problem with Apple Watches, and that is always on display. It it drives me crazy when I rotate my watch and nothing shows up. And I gotta say, that happens more often than it should. I mean, it should happen never. <laughs> it should always be there. I mean, that's the primary function of a watch. And I've talked before about the fact that I love watches. I mean, like I'm I'm, I'm a watch guy. My normal day watch, uh, like I'd say, I, I split things almost a third. That I wear my Hamilton uh, khaki. What, what is it? King khaki automatic watch, which is just fully mechanical. Um, that I, I really love. I wear that about a third of the time. 
Another third, I'm wearing a Cronaby, which is the more uh, classically designed smartwatch. And then the times that I'm doing more either fitness-related or outdoorsy stuff, I'll wear the Apple Watch. And honestly, there's things I like about all of them. I like changing watches often. That's a thing I like about watches is, you know, wearing what feels appropriate to the day, just like clothes. I, you know, I don't wear the same clothes every single day. And this does get closer to the design I would kind of dream of from an Apple watch. There's there's more screen. It's thinner um, uh, with more real estate, but the fact that it's not always on means that a lot of the time, the visual look of the watch is a big black screen. Um, to, you know, when other people see it, like when it's just a piece of jewelry, the thing you see isn't the beautiful watch face. And we can talk about some of the new faces they announced. That's not visible a lot of the time. Often you're just looking at a black rectangle on your wrist. And that really drives me crazy. I can't make sense of why this is the feature that's taking forever. Like, I'm not sure if they're holding back on it. Um, you know, maybe they just want want to keep it in their pocket as a big feature to, to release at some point. But, you know, I'd, I'd worn the Galaxy Gear for a little while at some point, and um, the Always On was, was there uh, almost two years ago now, and I, I loved it. It was a really great feature about it, and it, it makes it feel more like a real watch. Honestly, the fact that I have to do Raise to Wake is one of the things that makes the Apple Watch feel the most like a computer, like less of a real life device. So drives me crazy. They did not fix that, but they did make some really nice advancements. Like I say, the sizes got bigger. We have 40 millimeters and 44 millimeters. And thankfully they are compatible with the old uh, watch bands, which it's not surprising. I mean, they, they kind of had to do that. So if you had a 38 millimeter, then those bands will be compatible with the 40. And if you had a f- uh, 42, they'll be compatible with the 44. Um, a lot of people were confused about the actual sizes. This is something that came in through Twitter quite a bit. People were saying, um, you know, 44 isn't the is the size of the display. They kept because that is how Apple phrased it, which I, I thought was actually somewhat confusing that they said the screen is now 44 millimeters and 40 millimeters, but that millimeter rating is a standard watch measurement. And so 40 millimeters is how big my Hamilton watch is. It's my sort of standard size. It's same as the Chronobies. That's, that's my favorite size for a Chronobie. So Getting a 40 millimeter out of Apple is perfect. That's exactly what I want. Like that is a good standard size for a, a male wrist. Uh, and then 44, you know, that extra screen sizes can be very useful. A lot of people like oversized watches. I do not at all. So, uh, you know, before I, in my series three, it's the 42 millimeter. And in my series two is the 38. So I've actually tried both and I have relatively small wrists. So I, I kind of could do either one, but the 40 is going to be perfect. However, all that said, this does mean that uh, women or, or anybody with, you know, quite a bit smaller wrists don't have that 38 millimeter option available anymore. And 
Apple was the only company really offering a smaller watch option. Uh, you know, it's not something that the Galaxy watches are really offering, unless you want to do something like a Fitbit. But even when I see like Kate Spade watches and stuff, like they're they're big and they're chunky, and I, I think the Apple Watch was a, a great option for anybody with a smaller wrist. And I see a lot of women wearing them. So now all of a sudden, your only option is going to be noticeably bigger. You know, so when I look outside of my selfish interests, that, that is a very clear downside. Personally, for myself, I am excited about the 40 millimeter. So I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be getting one or not yet. I haven't really decided, but I, I probably won't be in a rush to. I don't think I'll end up having a time to do a review of one, but I like them. They, they look pretty great. Apple mentioned that they can fit 30% more real estate into the screen, which is very impressive, especially because it didn't get that much bigger. It's definitely not 30% bigger. I love that the screen is now rounded in the corners, which matches the aesthetic of all the other iPhones that were announced. Now, all the current iPhones have uh, rounded corners, and uh, it makes me wonder, are we going to see that in iPads soon? I mean... There isn't the same need to do it, but if they're going to go edge to edge, uh, it would make sense. It would just make sense as well to bring the whole line uh, in sync and have them all looking similar. But that that is the design element that I think most improved the watch, that you don't have those sharp edges, even with the beveled corners of the hardware. It, it really flows together very nicely. One thing I was reading online today that was really interesting is that the actual real estate on the face of the 40 millimeter, the new one is larger than the previous 42 millimeter. That's amazing. There's just more pixel real estate. Um, awesome. Like that's, that's so good. And then you can see how much they used it in some of the new faces. There's those really data heavy, uh, dozens of complication faces that, uh, were, were leaked a little while ago. Um, and I, I think they look pretty great for what they are. I mean, it, it's very good, dense information design. And I think you should also remember that you can turn some of those off. Like part of what this allows you to do is just have way more customization in your watch face. So if you find those really busy ones too cluttered, you don't have to do that. You could just use the complications that you want, but all of a sudden there's a lot more freedom in what complications you you have as options. So I'm really excited about those new ones. There was one that they, there was sort of like a travel version where they put different time zones all in the four circles in the center. I thought that looked awesome. I love that design. Again, if it was always on, we would be able to see the designs a lot more. So that's got to be coming next year. I, I really feel like I can't wait any longer. I had, I had hoped it was already going to come. Uh, the gold that they offer uh, obviously means they're stepping away from having real gold phones or sorry, watches. I always, I always kind of liked that there was that luxury thing out there. I mean, it didn't make any sense for anybody to buy it for a product that's being updated so often. It was completely insane, but I don't know. I like that fancy stuff exists, even if I'm not buying it or I never would. Um, you know, I, I think it's cool for them to make aspirational stuff. And, uh, something that actually Brandon pointed out to me when, when we were offline before we started recording was that the, uh, this also means that there is no more addition, really. Like, there's no ceramic option left anymore either. So, currently, they have no really high-end 
Apple watches uh, with, you know, premium finishes. And uh, that gold is something available to everybody. And it looks awesome. Like I don't wear gold watches. I'm probably not going to buy it, but it's a really common color. It absolutely should exist. And it looks very well done. I'm, I'm really impressed with just everything about how the design of this watch looks. I, I really love it. I think it's going to be a huge hit and it's going to open up, I think, the Apple Watch market even more to people that found them a little too techy looking. The the roundness, the fact that the screen looks more integrated into the into the actual hardware, um, it, it just all feels better. Uh, you also probably already heard that there were some health advancements that are maybe very significant. The, there's the fall detection so that it can use the accelerometer to tell if somebody's had a bad spill. Um, and what's interesting is that there will be people whose lives are saved by this. And it's probably not going to be me or you. Uh, the odds are just low that it's going to be any individual one of us. But there's so many people wearing these watches that it, it really is going to make a difference for somebody between not getting help and and having a quick response show up when they're in serious danger. So I I absolutely love that Apple is pushing this direction in a serious way. And uh, falling's a, a good idea. I mean, it's a great idea. Like they just looked at what can this device do, and how can we connect that to common problems? And and you know, falls are definitely a common one, especially for older people. Um, hips. I mean, man, hips get broken all the time. It's, it's awful. Especially, you know, I live in Calgary. I'm in Canada where things get frozen. We all wipe out on ice and sometimes that can have really bad consequences. Uh, then there was also the new heart regulator monitoring stuff, which, um, to be honest, I don't know a lot about heart health and it makes me want to research it more, but it also makes me realize I'm not a good authority to be talking about it here. So, uh, you know, don't look for my opinion. I won't, I won't offer it if I don't have anything useful to add. But I love Apple pushing into this direction. And I think it it gives a lot of people an excuse to buy an Apple Watch that um, could end up having a really serious positive effect on their lives. So super interesting. I'm very interested to uh, to test this watch. I'm even more interested to see if I'm going to buy it. I don't know. I don't know if I need one. I also like to see the prices go down on the Series 3. So now there's so many more reasons to get it. Another thing we didn't touch on with the iPhones is, you know, details of the pricing. I really like the iPhone 8 right now. <laughs> um, I, I know it's it's an older phone. It's less exciting to talk about previous phones. But you can get into the iPhone line for such reasonable prices these days compared to, you know, considering it's an Apple product and it's, you know, pretty premiumly priced. But iPhone 7s are still awesome. Like, there's not a lot of downsides about getting an iPhone 7 or an iPhone 8. They are still fantastic. The cameras are still competitive. The processor is still usable. Like, they could still last you a while. So if you're looking at these new extremely high price tags, there are still really excellent options out there for you. I, I think that, um, you know, Apple's strategy of letting the low price stuff go to older phones maybe doesn't feel exciting for a lot of people, but it is still a great choice. Like, I, I don't think you should be afraid to go out and get one of these 
um, older phones, if, if you feel budget constrained at all, I, I still think that they're fantastic. And then I think seeing the XR be such an exciting piece of technology, like I, I would think about it. I mean, it's, I'm not going to buy it. It's not, it's not for me. I do, I do want top of the line typically, but that's cause that's cause I'm who I am. And I think most people aren't actually like me. I think the R is going to be the phone for a lot of people. I, I think it really, it's going to sell better than uh, the iPhone C did, um, which was their last attempt to have wide range of colors in slightly more approachable price ranges. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about Apple's lineup this year. Uh, again, don't worry about it being crazy or not. Like, don't measure it on how great the news is. It's it's more about like, is this a good investment for you? Will this make your life better? Will it meet all of your needs? And that's what I do feel like Apple is achieving. Like incremental updates. I know they're not always exciting, but we did just have a huge update last year with the iPhone 10. So uh, I am definitely willing to give them a bit of a pass since things have changed more than ever recently. Don't forget that all these new phones already are forcing people to relearn a lot of their behaviors and get used to new paradigms. I'm happy with what they did. I'm disappointed we didn't see more things, I guess. I mean, I kind of thought iPads might have been coming, but it just means there will definitely be an October event. So we have more to look forward to, another podcast to come. Thanks again to Setup for sponsoring this episode. Go to stpp.co slash Stallman to start your free trial. And I'll talk to you guys next week.